How are you? And welcome to another Still Moments with Jesus. I hope you are having a wonderful time wherever you are. And if you're not, that's okay, because this sermon is for you. And this title, the sermon of my title today is, Where is God when you least, when you do not see Him? When you least expect Him? Where is God when you are down in the dumps, when nothing is going right, when everything seems to be falling apart? Where is Jesus when you are crying out in the night? Where is God when you are in need and you do not know what to do? This sermon is for you. Um, please turn with me to Psalms 22. I'll be reading from the Jerusalem Bible. I thought I'd use this today for today's sermon, uh, having given uh, a brief introduction to the Bible itself. Um, and I hope that many of you will get to like pick it up and have some time with it. Now, I'll be reading from the first verse, if you follow with me. And the, the psalm is titled, The Sufferings and Hope of the Virtuous, the Virtuous Man, For the Choir Master, To the Doe of the Dawn, A Psalm of David. The first, the first verse reads, My God, my God, why have you deserted me? How far from saving me, the words I groan. And then verse 2, I call all day, my God, but you never answer me. All night long, and I can, all night long I call and cannot rest. And then I'll skip a couple of verses and go a little down. I will go to verse 19 and read from verse 19 to 31. Do not stand aside, Yahweh. O oh, my strength, come quickly to my help. Rescue my soul from the sword, my dear life from the paw of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, my poor soul from the wild bull's horns. Then I shall proclaim your name to my brothers, praise you in full assembly. You who fear Jacob, you, you who fear Yahweh, praise them. Entire race of Jacob, glorify him. Entire race of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or disdained the poor man in his poverty has not hidden his face from him, but has answered him when he called. You are the theme of my praise in the great assembly. I perform my vows in the presence of those who fear him. The poor will receive as much as they want to eat. Those who seek Yahweh will praise him. Long life to their hearts. The whole earth from end to end will remember and come back to Yahweh. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For Yahweh reigns, the ruler of nations. Before him all the prosperous of the earth will bow down. Before him will bow all who go down to the dust. And my soul will live for him. My children will serve him. Men will proclaim the Lord to generations still to come. His righteousness to a people yet unborn. All this he has done. Dear God, Blessed be the reading of your word. Amen. Now, something I just wanted to highlight with this particular psalm is how familiar it is. It is a psalm we go back to during Easter. As we think about what happened to our Lord when he was crucified. And you have to remember the psalms are songs, right? Psalms are songs. Well, I have just read it, because I do not have a great voice for singing. Um, 
what my wife does. She is a wonderful singer. I should hear her sometime. While we're used to just having these psalms read, we should keep in mind that they were often sung. As you heard in the beginning, it is it is sang, this particular psalm is sang uh, to the doe of the dawn, and it is a psalm composed by David. Now, listen to the opening verses. My God, my God, why have you deserted me? I call to you all day long and all night long, but I see and hear no response. But then later on, when you come to the very end of the verse, it says, And my soul will live for him. My children will serve him. Men will proclaim the Lord to generations still to come, his righteousness to a people yet unborn. All of this he has done. I'm going to say this again. He has done. He's already done it. The psalm starts out as a prayer that expects you to resonate with, with, with the psalmist's plight. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And keep in mind the psalm is not about a wicked person. It's not about an unrighteous person. It's about the righteous person who is crying out to God, who is not getting their answers the way they're expecting them to get them, right? This is a psalm for those of you out there who are desperately calling out to God. Or who, out of fear, do not know how to approach God and, and have that conversation with Him through prayer. But not to worry. I hope this psalm encourages you to get to a place where you can actually come to this place, where you come to realize that He not only loves you, but He listens to you and He understands what you're going through. This psalm is such a vital psalm that half the time with Christian theology, many ministers tend to fall flat on how they how they execute uh, how the psalm is supposed to be understood within the context of the cross because I will go over again a few things with this psalm and I'll focus primarily on verses 25 through 31 those six verses and I want you to notice some things because when we least expect it God shows up I want you to realize that every time you crack open your Bible and read it, you will you will have moments like those, like that of the two men on the road to Emmaus, who did not know they were talking to Jesus, but as soon as he broke the bread to dine with them, and they realized it was him, and then they they were in awe and in shock that they finally just said, "Oh my goodness, this whole time." We should have realized it, but we were too blind to it. We were too caught up just trying to, trying to critique this man for being a newbie to Jerusalem who had not heard about what happened to Jesus of Nazareth, who was a righteous man, who went about doing good works, but who was killed, right? You can see the intro, the beginning of the, of the creeds now being said from the lips of these men. Um, and this is way before we have the Apostles' Creed formed. But you can see the, the little trinkets, the little nuggets there, already laid out, like just being ready 
to just be served up and presented before the council and said, hey, here's what we should use as the Apostles' Creed. You can see them. You can see the elements that make the Apostles' Creed in their testimony of faith. And that's something I want you to have with this particular reading. Okay, enough of that. I'll go right into it. Let's read from verses 25 to 31. You are the theme of my praise in the great assembly. I perform my vows in the presence of those who fear him. The poor will receive as much as they want to eat. Those who seek Yahweh will praise him. Long life to their hearts. Remember how the verse, remember how the psalm started? Remember how the song started? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I call out to you day and night. Keep in mind, how is this psalm ending? That for those who seek God, for those who seek Him, long life to them is a blessing. Next, verse 27. The whole earth from end to end will remember and come back to Yahweh. All the families of the nations will bow down before Him. For Yahweh reigns, the ruler of the nations. Before him, all the prosperous of the earth will bow down. Before him will bow, will bow all who go down to the dust. And my soul will live for him. My children will serve him. Men will proclaim the Lord to generations still to come. His righteousness to a people yet unborn. All this he has done. When you when you think about the psalm, what comes to mind? Pain, grief, abandonment. But that's not what the psalm is about, and that's a twist of the whole thing. And David acknowledges it as he comes to the end of the psalm, saying that my soul, all I am. All I have, all that I represent, will come to live for him. My children will serve him. And that's very interesting considering the seed of David, who would be quoting this particular psalm while on the cross. And I'm speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, on this one, others known as Christ. And he will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. Think about the purposes of the gospel. They serve to help those who would not even, who were not physically there during Jesus' uh, crucifixion. But they would be benefiting from the testimony given in the gospels about his crucifixion. And and. All this, the text says, he has done. Notice what Jesus does with the psalm. He, he twists it around, he turns it around, and makes it about him. He says, my God, my God, verse 1, why have you forsaken me? Keep in mind the whole, the rest of the psalm. I'd advise you to go back and read the psalm again and again, and then go back to the Gospels. Keep the whole psalm in mind. He likely sang it on the cross while in pain, barely able to breathe. 
at a time when many theologian, Christian theologians still uh, take it into consideration that probably Jesus was abandoned on the cross. But that is not what the psalm is about. The psalm is not an, a psalm of abandonment. And then Jesus comes down to the very last, very first, very last line of verse thirty-one, and says, "Tetelestai" in the Greek, which is, "It is finished. I have completed it." He turns the all this he has done. Another word for amen is it is done, or it will be done. Every time we pray amen, it means it is done in accordance with your will, O oh God. It is done. And that's something to keep in mind. Jesus says, I have amened this verse. I have amend, amend this chapter. Because for all those who felt very far away, but have been pursuing and seeking God. Now we have the one who reveals himself in the book of Revelation, of Revelation as the Amen and the faithful and true witness. We get to see why Jesus is called the Amen. If you did not know this is one of his titles, that's one of his titles. Jesus as Amen made all this happen. I'll emphasize again from verse 25 we see the theme of praise in the great assembly which now has been used largely in the church context of the church the second thing we see also in verse 26 is that the poor get to thrive and get way more than they ever could imagine within this new within this community because finally there's abundance for what they need and what are we reminded about the gospel? The gospel is for the poor. The gospel is preached to the poor. Now, not just that, but there's long life to those who are seeking Yahweh. Gift of life. Gift of life. In, a, in, its, in its own interesting way, this book of Psalms, especially the Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 22, is preaching what we know as a gospel. Verse 27 zeroes in on the whole earth from end to end will remember and come back to Yahweh. Keep that in mind when you think about 1 Timothy 3.16. I will, I, I'd love to read it out loud, but I'd rather you look it up. 1 Timothy 3.16, very important text for this. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. Keep in mind Philippians 2, from verses 4 to, from verses 4 to 12. This is an important verse to remember. That for Yahweh, the ruler of nations, before him all the prosperous of the earth will bow down. Before him will bow all who go down to the dust. Remember Philippians 2, from verses 4 to 12. And then, verse 30 and my soul will live for him. David now speaking in his, you know, appropriating and just saying that, hey, my soul will live for him. My children will serve him. Men will proclaim to the Lord, men will proclaim the Lord to generations still to come. 
his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That this goodness of God is so not limited at all. It's so unlimited, so unlimited, that even for those who have not seen it, it is still available for them generations after this psalm was written. And not just that, they will proclaim the Lord for generations still to come. There's something I'd want, I'd want to point out real quick. When we go back and read about what happened to Jesus on the cross and the scenarios, what surrounded him as he hanged on the cross, we're reminded of a sign that was put over his head. Uh, he's Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Uh, and the sign is put in three languages, in Greek, in Hebrew, uh, sorry, in Latin, in Greek, and in Hebrew or Aramaic. These three languages were important languages at the time. And something to keep in mind is that there was such an offense when the sign was put up on over Jesus' head. We've now seen a version of that sign put uh, on crosses, as mine also has it, the I-N-R-I. So, uh, Jesus Nazareus Rex Judeum. So that's in Latin. I have the Latin version. This is the most common version to see on any cross like this one, any crucifix like this. But here's a twist. Change up the language and go with Hebrew or Aramaic. Suddenly the initials of Yeshua Nazri, Wumelek, Hayudeum, spell out Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, the Tetragrammaton. For those of you who've never heard of it, I'll encourage you to go and read on it. The Tetragrammaton. Now you begin to see why people were offended when that was on the cross. And why Paul would talk about the cross being a stumbling block to the Jews of his time. But to those being saved, it is the very power of God and the very wisdom of God. For Paul said he preaches Christ crucified, and that is the stumbling block. Something to keep in mind as well is when Peter first preaches, the Apostle Peter Peter first preaches in Acts, he highlights that Jesus was wrongfully killed. His main starting point is the crucifixion. It's the means of death. And that was supposed to call back what events transpired as Jesus was being crucified. Now, for those of you who are not yet mind blown by this, I'd like you to keep in mind that while we are talking about events that took place in the past in the church and in Christian history, I want you to keep in mind about what God is already doing with you in your life, where you live, where you work, where you serve, and in whatever else you're doing. Because while this is amazing, this is not just meant to be just for here. 
not just within the text. But this is something I hope you get to experience on your own. May you get to know the goodness of God who supplies an abundance and such an abundance that even your children and your ch great children and your children's children and children's children, children as many generations down the line will get to experience it and have it and enjoy it. For that is the amen we've received through faith in this one. And I hope you realize that even as you seek God, He's never too far away from us. And that is something we can count on. And with that, I love to end this by saying, Amen. Be blessed. And thank you for joining me for another Still Moments with Jesus Sermon. Goodbye.